Welcome to another hard-hitting episode of Customer Cafe by Calabria. Calabria is a tool that turns good account managers into great account managers through the power of great collaboration. A great account manager is a team player. This podcast is made for those in sales, customer success, and account management as a place to caffeinate, ideate, and collaborate. Subscribe now for the latest brew. Let's hit the grind. Welcome to the Customer Cafe. My name is Menachem Pritzker. I'm the VP of Growth here at Calabria. My name is Sharon, and I'm the Senior Content and Community Manager, also at Calabria. And uh, we have C. Lee Smith here uh, as our guest, and I'm going to introduce him in just a second. Uh, but before we start, just want to remind everybody that we're still looking for early design partners and beta users uh, for Calabria. Uh, if you're interested in collaborating with your team better, uh, then we are the ones that you need to turn to. Uh, it's totally free. We're not charging any money for this. You'll you'll pay us in feedback and in telling us what to do to make it better. Uh, we really want to hear from you. So please go to collaborate.com, sign up uh, for the early beta, um, and check it out. And you'll get to schedule a meeting with me personally, and uh, I'll walk you through it. Would love to hear what you have in mind. You may get some swag too. Maybe swag, maybe swag. Maybe definitely, maybe definitely. Maybe definitely. You can also tell us what swag we're going we're gonna to create. Uh, so without further ado, we have Celia Smith, the CEO of SalesFuel, certified behavioral analyst, international best-selling author of SalesCred, How Buyers Qualify Sellers, and Hire Smarter, Sell More. Uh, he's also the creator of AdMall, a sales intelligence platform that helps local media sales teams in the U.S. to sell smarter, and TeamTrait, a revolutionary new platform for developing and retaining high-performing sales teams worldwide. Uh, it's something I think we're going to talk a lot about. Mm. Uh, also available as a keynote speaker, uh, C. Lee Smith. Welcome to the Customer Cafe. Well, it's great to be with you, Sharon Manakam. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Can I ask a fun first question? Okay, we all know what street cred is. What is sales cred? Well, it's funny because it's like it's based off of street cred, right? So sales cred is sales credibility. And, you know, I, I coined the term sales cred, you know, based off a term. It's like, well, you know, salespeople need to have street cred, but they also really need to have sales cred, which encompasses uh, street cred. So that's really was the, uh, the, uh, the origin for, for that. Uh, but you know, sales credibility is really the thing that all salespeople really need to have then to be able to achieve their uh, their goal of being a trusted advisor. And so many times people want to say, "I want to be a trusted advisor," but they don't know how to get there. You get there by starting working on your on your credibility, your sales credibility first. How do you work on your sales credibility? Well, I mean, there's really there's really four aspects of sales credibility. You know, people prefer to do business with people they know, like, and trust, and everybody in sales pretty much knows that. Uh, these days, though, it's it goes a little bit deeper than that. They have to know you, like you, trust you, but they also have to see you as being helpful. Uh, and, and do you have the capability of being helpful? Do you have the mindset of being helpful? And do you have the desire to be helpful? And uh, you know, it, those are really the, the the four foundations, the cornerstones of credibility, professional credibility. Mm -hmm. But then after that, then I put together a, a pyramid, if you will. It's a five-level process as far as how salespeople need to build credibility with prospects and buyers. And it's really different for every single buyer. It's like I, 
I, I like to say that it's different than personal brand because your personal brand is who you want to be seen as, but your sales credibility is really who you are seen as, and it's different for every single prospect that you come across. So really there's a five level process then for building that credibility. So sales cred is street cred, but just in a sales format. <laughs> well, it was very good. Yeah. And uh, so, and what is sales fuel? If we're, sales you know. fuel, it, well, sales fuel is a, is a sales research company that I founded over thirty years ago. So we do we create revenue uh, research revenue generators. So that's that's sales, that's marketing uh, at the executive level, the the, the C suite level uh, for, for strategic endeavors. So that's what we've been doing for thirty years. And uh, you know, it really wasn't during the pandemic. You know, when we were in lockdown over here in the states and really worldwide. Uh, you know, I had more time on my hands and more time to think where I just came to the realization, wait a minute, you know, we're, we're not just providing sales intelligence to salespeople. We're actually helping salespeople be, be more credible in the eyes of buyers mm. because they are able then to provide helpful and useful intelligence to, uh, to their prospects and actually help them learn things about themselves that they didn't know before and help them realize opportunities uh, and, and ways to overcome some of the, uh, the issues and challenges that they're having. So that you was say that credibility is the number one uh, kind of trait that salespeople are lacking. I would say so. I think it, it, here's why uh, we conducted a survey w with, with a couple of other companies called the American State of Credibility. And we focused this on the United States. And uh, we asked uh, all Americans and over a thousand of them uh, to rank the level of credibility for, for each profession. Credibility was defined as pretty much, do you know what you're talking about? Do you know how to help? Uh, credibility was defined for them as people that, that, that provide you reliable and accurate information that you can use to, to make better choices in your everyday life. And uh, so not surprisingly, nurses and doctors were, were, were perceived as the most credible professions. Uh, but however, salespeople were down at the very bottom. There was only one profession that was ranked worse than salespeople. And that's members of Congress. Yeah. Poli politicians. Oh. Yeah. Politicians. politicians. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then the lowest of the salespeople, uh, you know, car salespeople, used car salespeople. So it's, it's you know, it's not just a meme, it's reality. Uh, but like, yeah, so the issue is that only one in four Americans deem salespeople as credible in what they say and do. And so what happens is, is that because people have had a bad experience with a salesperson that, that's cut corners or was given the hard sell or was too pushy uh, you know, or didn't really care about them. They were only trying to make a sale. And, and what happens is, is that, well, that rep, bad experience proceeds in any new salesperson that, that, that calls on them. So we start our relationships with new prospects from behind. You know, we have to actually prove ourselves uh, as credible you know, before we can ever, you know, become trusted advisors. And really, uh, I kind of view it as, as a river of distrust separates then the buyer from the salesperson. And that river has been, uh, you know, deepened then by, by bad salespeople. Every profession has them. But uh, yeah, for salespeople, a lot of people are put in sales professions with absolutely no training whatsoever. Uh, and then, you know, and no coaching, you know, and the sales managers, quite frankly, have been put in those situations without any management training. And so with that, then you get you, you get some people that aren't very good at their jobs. And unfortunately, uh, that tarnishes everybody in the industry. So sales credibility, though, is that bridge that you need to get across that river of distrust then you know, to be trusted, uh, be a trusted advisor that, with, with your account. So 
To answer your question, absolutely. It is something that's absolutely necessary. It's probably the, the second most pressing issue facing sales teams today. Is it a new problem? Um, you know, and how, how different is it today versus the 80s? What's different about it t- today is that we all have smartphones, we all have the internet, and, uh, you know, and it's so much easier then. So that it used, it still was always the case then if you if you pleased a customer, delighted a customer, something like that, you know, word of mouth then they would spread your reputation and everything like that. And it was still true even then that's like that they would tell seven times more people than from a, if they had a bad experience, if they had a good experience. The problem though with, with the internet now and everything like that, that seven has become seven hundred and seven thousand. So that is uh, that that's the issue that we have. So that really it's it's the same problem. It's just been accelerated and multiplied. Well, so do you think that salespeople have become less credible in you know the 30 years that you've been doing this? I don't think so, actually. I don't but I think they've been perceived as less credible. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, because the other thing too is that as we get a young younger and younger set of buyers. Uh, what happened is that salespeople tend to rely too much on their gift of gab, you know, and right. their personalities and everything like that. And the problem of it is, is that 63% of, of buyers, particularly then the younger generations, then, you know, before they'll take a call or a meeting with a salesperson, they'll research the company online. You know, so you don't need to, you know, the salesperson doesn't need to go in and tell them, here are all the capabilities of our company. You're like, hey, look, you got a website, you got a LinkedIn profile. Right. Okay, there it is. But the thing is, they're also researching the salesperson. And, and so the younger they are, the more likely they are to, to check out social media and, and, and photographs on Instagram and videos on YouTube and everything like that, because they really want to know who they're talking with. Is this somebody then that you know, is, is sketchy uh, or is this somebody then that, that, that looks like they could actually help me and, and uh, that they're reputable and credible? So mm. the problem then is that salespeople there are, are really not spending a lot of time uh, thinking about their digital credibility, how they show up before they show up. Because again, with the younger set, uh, you know, if, if Google and LinkedIn, then don't suggest you're somebody and their eyes, you're a nobody. That's, that's very insightful. Uh, it, it sounds like the difference is not so much on the salespeople, but it's on the people that the salespeople are selling to that, that the market has changed so much. The market has changed because salespeople are no longer required then to come in and say, here's all about our company and here's what we can do and everything like that. They've already researched that. You're just wasting your time talking about that. Let's talk about the buyer. I I think that as salespeople, the one thing that needs to change is that salespeople spend a lot of time thinking about qualifying the prospect. You know, it's like, do they fit our ideal customer profile? You know, will, you know, do they have the budget then to buy our product? Is it somebody then that can grow into an enterprise account? Like that, and, and thinking about how their prospect, and that they need to think about is that how the buyer qualifies them. And that's what I was talking about then, starting with the digital credibility and the online right. searching and everything like that. Uh, and that we don't spend enough time thinking about that. And we spend a lot of time thinking about our sales process. You know, and here are the step by step that we need to go through so that operationally then everything works internally and, and everything like that. But we're, again, we're thinking about us and we're not thinking about the customer. And what we should be thinking about is the buyer's, the customer's journey, really. And then then how we can then help them help them buy as opposed to helping us sell. Uh, so, uh, again, that's not a new thing. Uh, it, it's just been exacerbated then by by the digital age. I mean, credibility goes all the way back to the age of Aristotle. I mean, so it's like that's not a new thing, but it becomes even more important, though, you know, with 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 the advent of everything digital. 
when it comes to um then if the research if the buyer is going ahead and researching salespeople, then how does that affect the hiring process when you want to hire someone how how, how do you do that um has that changed that process yeah, it definitely does because it's like I would highly recommend everybody do a social media audit. Go back seven years of, of everything that they've ever posted on social media, you know. And uh, it's better that you see it before the buyer sees it. And at the same point, it's like if, and the thing is, I, I don't like to tell people then that, that that should disqualify anybody. But on the other hand, though, if hits come up for some things that you know are totally against your culture and your philosophies and everything like that. Uh, you know, then they're not going to last long in your company anyway. So you should consider that. But really, I look at it as, hey, typically someone made a joke, you know, someone made an offhanded comment or somebody liked a, uh, a, a comment from, from somebody that was, you know, uh, inappropriate or something like that. And, it, and it's a teaching moment. It's like, hey, let's clean this up because this can be perceived the wrong way and everything like that. And then just kind of see how they react to it. So if they get all standoffish and defensive and everything like that. That gives you a pretty good clue about, you know, how they're going to react then to constructive feedback when they're on the job. Wait, wait, are you saying that in the interview, you should pull up the social media profiles of the person that you're interviewing for a sales job and ask specific questions about like, why did you like that? Maybe we should clean that up. No, that's too much work. And I don't think that, that that's likely to happen. But what you can do is we have a social media audit, for example, that does go back seven years. And yeah. mine, mine pulled up social media accounts I even forgot that I even had. Right. And, you know, what it does is it will flag things for uh, sexual contact, con uh, uh, content, violent con uh, content, racism, things like that. Uh, and then basically it pull up then the tweet, the Facebook post and everything like that, then that, that's problematic and flag that. So I would recommend doing you know, multiple things. I mean, yeah. certainly one, one is, a, is a mindset audit uh, because that you, know, you, you can teach skills, but you can't teach character. Credibility, is, is, you know, as Brian Tracy once said, is the combination of, of competence and character. So competence is something that we can improve. Character, on the other hand, uh, that, that's a lot more difficult to change. And that only changes basically if the person want, is really committed and really wants to change it. So there's that. But the social media part of it and, and also taking a look at their LinkedIn profile and everything like that, those are things that can be fixed. But to say, so it's important then to know what's out there, but also to, then to see if they're willing to fix it. And if they're not willing to fix it, then it's like then that that tells you that they're that they're typically they're more likely to have their heels dug in to anything that you tell them going forward. But if but they're gracious about it, say you know maybe a little embarrassed about it, a little humbled by it or something like that, that's really what you want. And then see how quickly they can go about fixing it. Most times, though, I will tell you that most people's social media audits come up perfectly clean. Uh, how often are these red huge red flags and racist whatever people out there? Okay. Again, usually it's just a joke that that didn't land well or something like that, or it's like, you know, it, it made sense in their head or something like that. But when they wrote it, it shows up on social media, it could easily be open to misinterpretation or, or correct interpretation for that matter. Uh, so that's usually that's the most of, of normally what we find. But definitely is to, is to take a look at their mindset first. And that's something that we do with our team trait product, uh, you know, to, to see if they have the mindset of somebody who, who can be a credible salesperson. And perceived as credible by buyers, the social media audit is another thing, though. But again, that I, I prefer to use that, you know, really for more for coaching rather than disqualification, unless some, some right. really bad things come up. You know, so uh, 
those are a couple of things that I, that I recommend for people when hiring salespeople. So we're getting, we're getting like way off topic with the yeah. <laughs> social media stuff, but you're saying something very interesting about, uh, coachability, uh, mm-hmm. and how do you test for coachability? I mean, you gave one very interesting example, but how else can you kind of flag for, or, or check for coachability, uh, at the interview level, because that's ultimately just probably the, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I think that's one of the very important parts of the skills that you'd be looking for, traits that you'd be looking for in a salesperson. Absolutely. Um, because somebody you know, that's not coachable yeah. is never going to get any better than, than they are at that moment in time. Right. And the other issue with salespeople, it's so easy to hire a bad salesperson because, you know, they are very, they can be very charming and everything like that. And, but the problem of it is, is like the, the best sale that they'll ever make for you is in that interview. And you may never see that person again. So <laughs> the answer to your question, as far as coachability is like, that's based on that, that's, that's behavioral traits. So that, there you have to do a behavioral assessment. You have to do a motivational assessment. And then you also have to do a values assessment. So, you know, really where it stands from your values and beliefs, you know, lead to your motivation. Your motivation is then what leads to your behavior. And your behavior then is what leads to the actions you take and the results that you get. And so many times salespeople or sales managers, when they're, when they're doing coaching, tend to focus on, hey, you only made so many phone calls. Uh, you, know, you only have this much of a closing rate and you've only gotten this much revenue. And that's where they coach. But in the reality of it is they have to really take, go backwards then and take a look at, hey, let's take a look at behavior. Let's take a look at, you know, what your core motivations are. And you know, let's talk about how we can then apply then then to, to the sales position here. And uh, you know, behavior is something then that can be changed, you know, based on what the needs of, of the job are to be successful in the job. Uh, you know, but the further back that you get go, you know, back in the motivations and then all the way back in the values and beliefs, uh, that's not something that, that 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 gets changed very easily, if at all, with with, with a lot of people. Mm, yeah. So, so understanding that though, that, that gives you then a, we actually give you a coachability score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that actually tells you whether that person has the mindset then to be coachable. Uh, the other thing that we take a look at though, is we take a look at the manager fit. So it's not important just to look at the job fit. Is this somebody then that can fit into a, uh, a sales development rep role or to a full cycle salesperson role or to a marketing position? Uh, that's job fit, but you also have to take a look at the manager fit. And that's also goes into coachability because if you don't trust the manager, all right. So if you don't, if you don't believe the manager and you don't believe in the manager, something like that, then they're not going to, the coaching that they're giving you, whatever it is not going to be effective. It's going to fall on deaf ears. And so it's really important then to take a look at the, at the compatibility between, you know, what the motivations are and the behaviors are of the sales manager and what the motivations and behaviors are of the sales rep and how well that they, they, they match together. So we give you a manager fit score there as well. And that definitely has an impact on coachability. When it comes to um, coachability or characteristics or skill sets or strengths or weaknesses that you're looking for in a hire, does that vary by industry? Not so much industry. It definitely varies by position. You know, so for example, you want somebody that's a full cycle salesperson or, or, or someone in that, that's a new business hunter. You, you want somebody then that has, uh, well, new business hunter, they have to be good prospectors. Uh, mm-hmm. They have to ask good discovery questions. Uh, you know, a, a full cycle salesperson, you know, needs to have good closing ability. Whereas somebody's a sales development rep, uh, you know, there's some closing there and everything like that, but basically they're there trying to set up appointments. 
So, and marketing is a different animal. Marketing then, instead of, you know, having one-to-one conversations, you're having one-to-many conversations. So uh, I think it really varies based on, on the sales role more, more than the industry, except for this caveat. The more detailed a, uh, a, a product that you're selling is, and I'm thinking about technology, I'm thinking about medical, uh, the more likely it is to have any type of government regulation. Uh, then the more important than being, being a lifelong learner is being conscientious and really the more important that having a high degree of credibility becomes because it's like there's so many areas where more areas where you can get tripped up. And so having a high attention to detail becomes even more important based on the more complex the product that you're selling is. So what are some of the big changes that you've seen in the industry in the, you know, the 30 years that you've been doing this, you know, sales in the eighties, it just seems like a galaxy away from, you know, what we're doing now. Um, you know, it is, yeah. the, the, the basics are the same. It's like, I mean, you can actually go back further than the 80s, you know, to some of the some of the people that I study and some of the people that my mentors studied. And, you know, uh, sales is not about, you know, pushing a product and everything like that. Sales is really about helping other people. And I have some people then kind of wince a little bit when I think about when they're asked to go into sales. You know, and it's just, oh, no, I just don't think that's for me. They have this image in their mind of salespeople, how, how they're presented in movies and TV shows and that sort of thing, but also in real life. But the, but the end of the day, sales is really all about helping other people. So if you have the, the attitude and the desire to help other people, that's really what sales is all about. If you do that, then you'll make goal. You'll make revenue. Uh, and, and the thing is that you'll be able to do, do it having lifelong, long-term relationships rather than just selling the product of the day one time. That's infinitely more harder than actually selling, uh, selling a friend or helping a friend, I should say, uh, and doing that many times over. So you talked about hiring an individual, but something that we're interested in at Calabria is collaborating. So I'm curious, and you spoke about, but you did speak about compatibility between the manager and whoever is being hired. Um, so how do you hire a team and how do you sort of onboard and build that team dynamic? So collaboration is definitely something then that you, you, you should be testing for. And that, that's where the psychometric assessments in, come into play because there's, there's a score given for collaboration. Uh, and, and it's really then about your ability, then your natural ability then to, to collaborate with other people. That's not necessarily the manager, as you know. I mean, like that, that's, you know, that's sideways with, with, with your cohorts. It's with other mm-hmm. departments, as you know, because, I mean, this, this is your bag, right? So uh, so you, you already know the importance of that. So it, it, it's really important then, uh, the more complex, the, the bigger the sale is, the more likely then you're, you're going to have a, a team of salespeople selling that particular project. And also you're going to be selling to a team of buyers on the other end. So if you can't get all on the same page and you don't work and play well together and you're not compatible with each other, uh, you know, then, you know, that one apple can spoil the whole bunch in, in, in that type of scenario. So it's really super important that, that, that you look at the ability to collaborate and work well and play well with others. How does that scoring work? How exactly does your app give all these scores? Well, so without getting too much in the weeds, because it's like, you know, we could be here all day talking about that. We take a look at those three psychometric assessments. We take a look at values and beliefs, motivations, behavior. We also then take a look at competence. So we also take a look at the business acumen. You know, industry acumen, uh, but also to take a look at, you know, their sales acumen. Uh, and, and the other thing that we take a look at is soft skills, because the, the combination of all those assessments give us over 100 different traits, work traits that we look at. And that gives us a, an idea then of how naturally certain soft skills 
come to people you know, based on all those things. And those soft skills, you know, are just as important as the hard skills of, of selling, uh, if not more so, quite frankly. Uh, but those will vary based on the sales role. So that is pretty much how we do is we take a look at the psychometric assessments as well as the business acumen and industry acumen and also their existing sales skills. But again, the sales skills can be taught. The business acumen can be taught as long as this is somebody then that's open to learning and, and not operating based off of I've been doing this for 20 years or just going by going with their gut. If there's somebody then that's willing to take the time then to do the learning and is open to advice uh, and everything like that, that's somebody then that, that, that you can improve their acumen. And so mm. that's not, to me, uh, that's not nearly as important then as their mindset. So that just takes us all the way back to coaching, coachability again. Yeah, it absolutely does. And that's the other thing too, is that credibility is something that, that can be coached. You know, as I was mm-hmm. making the example of the social media, that's one aspect of coaching. Uh, when, it, when it comes to certain soft skills, when it comes to being detail oriented or getting re, you know, or reporting then to uh, other members of the team, working well and playing well with other members of the team or, you know, identifying behaviors and calling it out then when it's detrimental to the, to the success of the team, little things like that. Those are all things that, that can be coached. Uh, unfortunately, then a lot of sales managers then are, are, you know, they're graded on one thing, which is hitting number and, and making quota. And so, unfortunately, a lot of the coaching that gets done is really a status report of where are we with, in the, with the McGillicuddy account and you know, what's your close rate and how many people have you called and how many appointments have you set and everything like that. It becomes more about that and really less about the develop, develop, developmental stuff. So if there's an area where sales managers really fall down, it's that they're not coaching to develop the salesperson to make them uh, – stronger in their skill set with soft skills and sales skills and business acumen, they're really more focused on, on hitting the number because that's how they're evaluated. Yeah. So that really is really, it's, so I don't want to make that sound like it's all on the sales manager, but because that's how, how they're evaluated, that goes above the sales manager. All right. Where that goes to the VP of sales, to, to, the, to the chief revenue officer, you know, to even all the way to leadership. If that's how they're going to evaluate and that's how they're going to incentivize the sales manager, that's what they're going to be focused on. So what's a better way to incentivize them? I think the better way to, to incentivize them is to actually take a look at their team and how, how each member of their team has improved. So to me, a coach is somebody then that gets the most out of every player on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, and also that, that often means developing then a player on the team basically to be better than they are today. And it also means about constructing a team you know, with people then that make others around them better, not worse. Yeah, so when my first book that I wrote a lot about toxicity, and toxicity is something that really drags down every, every member of the team. That's something that you can test for during the hiring process. Uh, and it's something that sometimes you have to deal with because if you're a new manager, you're typically are brought in as a new manager because the old manager, you know, didn't perform the way that leadership wanted them to perform. So you typically come into a situation with a mess to clean up. So sometimes you inherit a, tox- a toxic personality on your team. You got to identify them and you got to root them out and get them off the team as quickly as possible. But I digress there. Uh, yeah, it's all about, so to answer your question, it's really about, I, I feel like it should be based on, yeah, let's take a look at the metrics, right? But that's the end of the chain. Yeah, then we have to take a look at certain behaviors about you know, setting, setting the bar for what we will, the behavior we will accept and the behavior we won't accept, the behavior that we will uh, try to correct and, and not put up with and the type of behavior we will reward and incentivize. And, you know, the, the sales manager's ability to do that, you know, making the people around them better. Uh, well, quite frankly, that automatically, that, that leads to better results. 
but right. a lot of times, but the sales manager is part of that as well. So it's, it's I would also then incentivize the, the sales manager then, hey, let's get you some courses and certifications mm-hmm. in on how to be a better sales manager. I mean, you want to improve, you know, improve the t- sales team. The best way to do it is to start with a sales manager because that's a better sales manager and will make the salespeople better tenfold. So I was just going to say, Lee, like, you know, traditionally everyone is in sales is judged based or incentivized based on the results, you know, something very closely tied to revenue, you know, however much revenue you brought in as an individual uh, or how much revenue your team brought in as a manager, your KPI is going to be, you know, to hit a certain number there. Uh, Often the commission, uh, you know, your bonus is going to be tied to, you know, a percentage of that total amount. Um, Why, why do you think that's not enough? And that without focusing on the end goal and, and, you know, just tying the, the incentives to revenue, why is that not enough for them to do, make these incremental changes for their own benefit um, and focus on the team's performance and focus on the team's uh, ability to, to become more credible and to learn and, and to, to function better as a team um, and to have better individual uh, performances, whether or not it may be, tied to revenue yet so have either of you ever been to a massage therapist a couple times if you play sports or whatever you get muscle cramps things like that you have knots that need to be worked out or something like that you know the thing is like when you go in there's like they don't just focus on the part that hurts they focus on the other parts of the body that that lead into the part that hurts and so that's what needs to happen here. If the numbers aren't where you want the numbers to be, you have to really then focus on the behaviors and the activity that lead to the numbers. That's where you coach. So you don't work, you don't focus as much on, you know, the part that's not performing the way you want it to. You have to focus on the things that lead to, that feed into the thing that's not performing the way, the way that you want to and, and address those first. And by doing that, then automatically then, uh, you know, the part that you're most concerned about then will actually it will improve. So that, that's the analogy that I, that I make. Good answer. Yes. Okay. So I want to go back to my question, if that's okay. Uh, this is a selfish question, but I'm going to ask it because I can't be alone. Um, a lot of what you do is help companies hire and you help them identify what environments are going to work, what would be toxic, what would, you know, there's a lot of people looking for jobs right now. And hopefully there's a lot of opportunity for them to get hired how do they choose the right places? You know, how, how can the hiree, how can they go about the process in such a way that they know that the man, that they're compatible um, with the manager or the team or with the product and with the overall environment? Um, how can they make sure that they're making the right decision? So there's a simple way to do that. And, you know, and, and, and it's like, if you're a salesperson, whatever, we like to encourage people, train people then to make friends with salespeople within the prospects when, when they're calling on a prospect or whatever, because salespeople like to talk. And so it's, and, and because you're both in sales, you have something in common. So you can strike up a friendship or some type of relationship, something like that, and learn more about the prospect, you know, uh, even more than what's available online, for example. So in a similar fashion, if you're looking perhaps at strongly at, you know, interviewing someplace, if you like, you know, how they show up online, if you like the uh, the job description and everything like that. So you've done all that work like that. It, the easiest way to do it is, is to befriend a salesperson who works for that company because they'll be an open book and they'll tell you pretty much everything that you want to know. 
And then from that point, it, it makes it much easier for you to, to judge. Is this somebody who I really want to spend a lot of time interviewing with? Because, you know, I've got five other offers or whatever that I, that I wanted to explore. And maybe I'll spend my time doing that instead. Yeah, whatever your target is, whether it's a prospect or, or, or it's a future employer or whatever, is to talk to a salesperson. And of course, then, you know, you're, gonna, you're the buyer in that situation. So you're going to do what every other buyer does. It's like, you're going to go to the LinkedIn profile. You're going to go to the website. You're going to go to review sites to see what customers say about them. You're going to go to other sites or whatever to see what, you know, what former employers have to say about them. With keeping in mind then that pretty much more people are going to go to Glassdoor basically to bitch about something because they feel like, oh, I was fired. I should have been fired. And like that one, you're fired because you didn't perform. But, you know, so understand that it's like you're more likely to see negative things there than you are to see positive things there. Taking that, but taking that with a grain of salt, if the negative stuff you see is not that bad, you know, or, or you're not seeing a lot of people saying the same, the same negative things or whatever. It's like, yeah, you can pretty much. You know, feel like that that's a that's a good call. On the other hand, if there are red flags about their employer, you know, or there's bad things about them in the news, or the bad the customers aren't saying good things about them, or more yeah, just as importantly, the salespeople are not saying wonderful things about them like that, that pretty much tells you what you need to know. That's a great answer. <laughs> for anyone looking for a new job in sales. I am thinking about the whole review thing. And for some reason, you know, like where do you get good reviews? Class is not one of the places like I, overall, that's where a lot of, you know, I, I spent a long time working in the review site uh, industry. You know, Did you? That's for yeah. another time. Okay, fine. Um, but yeah, a lot of review energy is driven by, it's, an, it's a very negative emotion. But Amazon tends to have some, a lot of positivity. Well, yeah, that's true. There were a lot of things there because like people respond to pain. It's like, you know, you're, you're not, you're, a lot of people don't enjoy going to the dentist, but by golly, you're going to go to the dentist if you feel pain. And so, if, and then, you know, if you look at the news media and everything like that, there's so much negativity there. And, you know, someone that's been working in the media for, for 30 plus years, it's like, yeah, we used to have a saying, if it, if it bleeds, it leads, you know? So, yeah, so journalism has been been that way you know, ever since I can remember. So it, it, that's driven by negativity. If you look at politics, you know, that's driven by negativity. It's like, oh, you, you know, the, my, my, my opponent was doing a lousy job. You know, he or she is this, that, or the other thing or whatever. As opposed to saying, here, you know, here's my vision, here's my plan, and everything like that. It's like it's not about that nearly as much anymore as it is about, you know, dragging the other person. So, yeah. you know, unfortunately, then it's like you know, negativity leads a lot of our conversations these days. And quite frankly, I think it's a little why a lot of people have trouble being positive. Uh, you know, and also then the fact that we're you know, coming off a pandemic, that was a lot of fun. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it, it, it can be a real challenge, but it's like, you know, the, the, the key thing for a salesperson to, to also be in addition to being confident and being credible and being coachable is, you know, you gotta be positive and optimistic because it's like, it's so easy then for people to get spooked by bad news these days mm -hmm. and, and everything like that. It's like, we have to be the voice of reason. We have to be the voice of optimism that, 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 that things can get better and we know how to, how to make it better. Well, I think that's that's a great note to end on. And I just want to wrap things up with one last question. Um, Lee, obviously, um, you know, you share a lot of wisdom on LinkedIn. Uh, you've written two books, Hire Smarter, Sell More and Sales Cred. Uh, are, are they both available on Amazon? They're both available on Amazon or wherever you like to get your books. Wherever you like to get your books. Um, and you've got uh, the app, uh, Sales Fuel. We have a sales cred app and it's really right. designed sales for new app. salespeople. Yeah. Right. And the issue there is that when you're a new salesperson, you're having to go enter into competition then with people with a lot more experience than you and maybe better, you know, at the sales game than you and everything like that. Sales cred then helps the new salesperson build their credibility. 
Yeah. Um, but, but, and so that's the whole point of that app. And we've had over 200,000 downloads worldwide of that so far. So, I mean, we're off uh -huh. to a really great start there. Uh, so in addition to all those ways that somebody can become better at sales uh, or better as a person or in in their profession, uh, do you have any other secret weapons, uh, podcasts or books or people that you follow that, uh, you know, you would want to shout out to? You know, so I, I work with Anthony Anarino, who who is really great. Jeb mm -hmm. Blount or whatever, I have a ton of respect for. He's written 15 books or whatever. What's great about Jeb is that he can take something complex and whereas it takes me two or three sentences to, 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 to voice it or whatever, he can get it down to a perfect soundbite of like eight words. It's amazing <laughs> how well he can do that. Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I have several mentors and people that, that I work with. And, and my advice there would be is like, uh, always reinvent. Uh, hmm. So I've had to reinvent this company three times. Uh, and that's how you basically you know, start a company and basically and, and keep it growing. Uh, and we've been profitable every year for, for 30 plus years now. So uh, the, the, the key is to always reinvent not only the business, if you own a business, but also to reinvent yourself uh, because things are always changing and you have to, you know, get uncomfortable uh, and, and, you know, because the growth doesn't happen inside the comfort zone. So you have to be willing yeah. to reinvent yourself, just like we all had to do during the pandemic, you know, where we're having these conversations by Zoom and we're having, making these sales calls by Zoom instead of having them in person. You know, we rely a lot more on, on text messages and things like that, you know, than we ever had before. And for, for an old school salesperson that's relied on friendships and, and going out to the golf course and being buddy, buddy and, you know, and meeting for drinks after work or things like that. It's like, it's a different world, but you have to adapt and you have to reinvent. And so, you know, for long, any type of longevity, uh, you always have to be willing to reinvent yourself. And that's, that's my word of wisdom for the day. Fantastic. Uh, Lee Smith. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here at the Customer Cafe. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining us for today's brew. Like what you heard? Let the world know. Leave a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Subscribe now so you never miss an exciting episode. See you soon. <laughs>